and welcome to the Armchair Analysts. My name is Rob, and this is my dad, Ed. Hi. Since the early 70s, I've been watching the NFL with my dad, and just as long, we've been coaching teams, announcing games, and analyzing all things NFL from the comfortable distance of fandom. And now we're bringing you into our discussions. So grab some snacks and the best seat in the house, and join us, the Armchair Analysts. All right, so the season, the regular season, is over, um, and it was really exciting. Like, I really enjoyed this season. I don't know if it's just because we uh, are doing this. Um, might be a combination of the fact that we're doing this podcast. It might be because I won my fantasy football championship. Yeah. All right. Congratulations there, buddy. Thank you. I won uh, prestige and nothing else. That's all right. Bragging rights. Um, that's, that's good. It could be because there was some awful exciting games this year, man. The Chiefs and the Rams game. Yeah. Holy cow. Um, but I mean, even from week one, and the Buccaneers beat the Saints forty-eight to forty in the Superdome. Yeah, uh, you know there was just a lot of excitement this year. Some I craziness too. Yeah. So you ready to find out how we did? Yes, I am. All right. So last week of the season, and if you remember, I said I had kind of a short timer's attitude last week, and I made some crazy picks. Right. Boy, did I pay for it. <laughs> I ended up going nine and seven. Okay. I was on tilt. I hear you. Uh, you went 12 and four. Holy smokes, man. I must have ate my Wheaties. Yeah, that was one of your best weeks. Yeah. Go you. Um, <laughs> Elliot Harrison went 14 and two, knocked it out of the park. In the well, area. you know, and we even talked about the two where we disagreed when we were done. I said, now, him and I disagree on two of them. Remember that? Yep. Yeah, and there obviously is where he got me. But all right. Yeah, you guys disagreed on the Dolphins and the Bills, and the Bills shellacked the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, mostly in the second half. It was pretty close in the first half. I thought I had yeah. a chance for Miami to pull it out there. Well, I texted you on that. I think maybe we're going to get start to get a little bit of a realignment in that division because I think the Vikings are, or the Patriots are cracking a little bit, and I think the Bills are starting to come on, so we'll see what happens there. That'd be nice. We might revert to the way it was in the early 90s when Jim Kelly and uh, Dan Marino were battling it out for division championships. Yeah, well, like they got one of the top draft quarterbacks up there, and uh, he's only, uh, you know, I think he's just going to get better. So we'll see what happens. Right. All right. Uh, yeah, the other game that you guys picked different were Browns and the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. You picked the Browns, and man, so close. Oh, we my weren't goodness. we weren't that far off from being there. Uh, yeah. About 10 more yards, and, and they would add a legitimate field goal chance. Well, yeah, the only, it, only thing for me was at this point, I was saying, you know what, as erratic as the Steelers have been, you know, maybe we just eliminate them and get them over with because they're driving me nuts. And then they just go out and disappoint me next week, you know. <laughs> well, that's absolutely true. But I mean, even just from the Browns' perspective, Oh, yeah. They were Absolutely. so close to winning that game. I mean, they had four shots to get that 10 yards. Yeah. And, if, well, and that's t- what I, I also sent you a text on that. So it looks like we're going to have a realignment too in the AFC. I think 
next year we could see us putting three teams in the playoffs like we used to in the old days. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, or in the AFC Central, right? Yeah. It's going to get tough all the way around because if the Colts are legit and the Texans are probably going to be back and the Titans are getting better. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just going to get tougher. The Chargers are good. The Chiefs are good. Yeah. You know, Broncos aren't that far away from good. Something has to shake out, huh? Yeah. Something's got to give. Right. Um. But so I was saying that the Browns, I mean, if you'd have told me before the game that they're going to be down by two points, they're going to be 10 yards out of field goal range with first and 10 and about 45 seconds on the clock, I would have taken that all day. Yeah. You know, yeah. And they right. had four shots to get that 10 yards. And then and, Mayfield's uh, been, um, how should I say, sort of electric enough that he could have, somebody like him could pull it off, you know what I mean? And to be entirely honest with you, I was screaming at the TV on that fourth down play because I swear to goodness that that was pass interference on that last play. I don't know if you paid attention, but he like yeah. he like reached around and knocked the ball away, and that part was a good play. But the whole entire time that he was on that route, uh, the the defender guy had the receiver by the back, like had the other hand on his back and on his shoulder and stuff, like almost holding him back a little bit, you know, as yeah. he was running that route or at least keeping him from getting him getting too far away or whatever, getting open basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the definition of pass interference to me. Yeah. And yeah. I can't believe they didn't call that defensive pass interference yeah, on that last play. To me it's been like you said an exciting year, but I think I've seen more questionable calls than I have in a long time, particularly with all the reviews and all the potential they have to be able to double check everything makes you wonder about some of that. But. Exactly. And there's some screwy rules about what's a reviewable call and what's not. Yeah, yeah, you're That's, right. Yeah. You know, so they're not even using replay to its fullest potential. Like, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe in hockey, everything is a reviewable, like, at all, you know. Um, which different sport but still they I th- they've had for a while the referees in the central location getting video feeds and making decisions throughout the games as they go you know yeah and, and then of course too they've got the ex-officials or retired officials uh, weighing in you know those are guys who normally do it and say well you know here's what I think you know and uh, there's other officials have to know these guys are evaluating their performance, you know. I mean, people that's done it for years, you know. Right. But, I mean, the guys on the field now, granted, they make a lot of bonehead calls. Uh, but you can kind of understand they're in the heat of the moment. Their perspectives are different than ours because they're at their level, you know, ground yeah, level, yeah, where yeah. we're seeing a bird's eye view. And, well, they're in real time, you're right, but once once they have a look at it, then it's, they see it over and over and over, and then it becomes, you know... Well, that's my point, is the video replay judges do have our perspective, and they do get the super slow-mo, and, and you know, so, I mean, I can understand the guys on the field making a mistake, but right. once you send it to the video review... There should not any longer be a mistake, which is why I would like to see it be expanded to where everything is reviewable, for one. 
And for two, they don't screw up the review. I mean, if there was pass interference on a play, you know, then you just, it's pass interference, that's it. The other thing I don't like that they do is, that might not have been a catch. Let's run down the field and snap another play. So they can't make it right, <laughs> you know. Right. I don't like yeah. that rule at all. I think yeah. it's like, hold on, hold on. That was questionable. Right. Let's go to video. Hold your horses, you know. Yeah, you're right. They try to get that snap, and then the other coach has to decide whether he wants to use a challenge or not. Which I understand that you can't have him challenging every play. So there's got to be a limit there somehow. But you are right that uh, they'll try to uh, snap that ball before they can challenge. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of shady. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. So anyway, to put the put put the bow on the regular season, um, I ended up going one fifty four one hundred and two for a total percentage of sixty point one six percent is my okay. winning percentage, if you want to call it that. You went one fifty one oh four and two, so four games back from me. Okay. For 58.59%. Okay. And Elliot Harrison went 175, 79, and 2 for a total of 68.36%. Yeah, he beat me by about 10%. I got to work, work a little harder next year. Yeah. So, I mean, there's many ways to slice this. He had about 10% on you. Yeah. Um, he was ahead of you by 25 games total, but right. out of 17 weeks, that's like, what, one and a third games per yeah, week? Yeah, I guess if you put it in that perspective, it's uh, not as, didn't sound as bad. Yeah, for, for <laughs> me, it was like 1.1 games he was ahead of me by. Yeah. And it's really, uh, for me anyway, a lot of that came in this last week. You know the final week because he got he gained five games on me in the last. Well, week. That's where you went contrarian crazy there. Exactly. Yeah, because I picked. Well, the you did Buccaneers that two two the weeks Falcons. in the two weeks that week and another week you went a little crazy on purpose and I think you paid for both of them. Yeah, I probably did. All right. All right. So moving on. So now we can uh, commiserate on the Steelers a little bit. Because obviously we're both Steelers fans. And so I was thinking about this, and you can tell me your perspective. But I remember when I was a kid, and it was the 80s, right? The Steelers won four Super Bowls in six years in the 70s. And then the 80s came along, and they didn't do so well anymore. And I thought about switching my team to the Eagles. Um, Uh I think the Eagles ended up playing the Raiders in the Super Bowl in like 1985 or whatever. But yeah, they had a running back by the name of Montgomery. I remember that. Yeah, That's Wilbur what. Montgomery. Yep, I yeah. forgot about him. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I think uh, Jaworski was their quarterback at the time. Yeah, Jaws. Yeah. What what college did he go to? I don't know, but he was annoying as an announcer. <laughs> he went to Youngstown State. Oh yeah. The same place that a infamous quarterback for the Steelers went to college. Well, infamous would have to be Neil O'Donnell. 
No, Amphalay, at least he played good till he got to the big game, and then, then he was really infamous. But uh, this was uh, Cliff Stout. Oh, yeah, I remember Cliff Stout. How's he infamous? He was just a backup, wasn't he? He was tor- horrible. Now, he got to start for a long time. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was started after for Bradshaw? Uh, after Bradshaw? Yeah, we went through a series. We had Bubba Brister, Cliff Stout. Stout was before Bubby Brister. I remember Bubby Brister. Stout was before that. Yeah, and then uh, there was... David uh, Woodley. I remember him. Who? David Woodley. Yeah, Woodley, and uh, he didn't hang around too long. Then there was a... Malone, he was actually good. I was just going to say, that guy was the guy who's supposed to be our savior. He came out of Arizona State, Malone. He always looked like he always looked like Tom, Tom Selleck, Selleck to me. Exactly. Yep. And uh, anyway, he was going to be our savior. And then we had a guy stuck in there for a while. His name was Campbell. Had a guy stuck in there. His name was Miller. And Tom Zick was a backup there for a long time. And O'Donnell, where he got any open player he could find, was a Dallas player, so he threw it to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> twice. Yeah. But anyways. Uh, and, then, well. and then Slash. Oh, yeah. And then we stuck with him way too long. He uh, he was good for a couple of years in there. We were uh, playing Denver in the championship game a couple of years in a row under yeah, him. Yeah, he, when he, but he was most effective when he played Slash, more so than when he was the full-time, I thought, when he was full-time quarterback. We were more effective when he was slashing. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. When he was full-time quarterback, we went to the championship game in Denver two years in a row, and they beat us both years, and uh, that's when L.A. was quarterback, and they lost one of the Super Bowls. Um, I can't remember who they played, and then they won the second one. They beat uh, the Packers, I believe. And the irony was uh, that uh, Cordell Stewart, where he went to school, was the University of Colorado. Yeah. But I mean, John Elway was a legend, you know. And and in the sunset of his career, they were trying to get him a Super Bowl win and loading up that team with everything they had. And for us to hang with them two years in a row, I I thought we did pretty good under him. Yeah, that's true too. You got to keep everything in perspective, man. Uh, All right, certainly better than we did this year. Yeah, I, I got you. All right, so tell me your uh, tell me your theory here on the the number one picks. Well, I mean, it was a fallacy. What I started saying, I said, "Oh man!" I said, "Look at all these quarterbacks. I guess this number one pick stuff really works." Except for Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, and everybody's the three round pick, and Brady six round. I said, "Everybody else is a first round pick." And I said, "Wait a minute." I said, look at all your other quarterbacks who didn't make it and see what round pick they were. And almost all of them are first-round picks. So, you you follow what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, I mean, say, I don't care whether it's uh, Aaron Rodgers or... uh, Jameis Winston. uh, Ryan or Jemai Winston or Cam Newton or Mariota. Uh, right. no, on I mean, and on. In other words, fair, you got like, as many first you got as many first round picks that didn't go as you have first round picks that did go. Right. So it, it doesn't have anything to do so much with their first round in the sense is that they're 
That's almost all you had. Winner or loser were almost all first-round picks. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, the quarterback is the main guy on the team, right? He's the field general, so to speak. Right. So almost every team is taking their shot at a franchise quarterback in the first round. Yeah. Um, The only reason that somebody like Brady gets a shot is because the main guy gets hurt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Bledsoe went down, yeah. Right. And, you know, Nick Mullins got a shot in San Francisco. He might turn that into something. Matt Castle got a shot because Brady got hurt. Right. Um, But my point being is that you can't argue that, well, these guys are there because they got a first-round quarterback because there's equally as many teams that aren't there that have first-round first first quarterbacks, that's all. Right, and, and yeah. my, my point agrees with your point, but it's that almost every team's got a first-round quarterback. Right, so Of course, exactly. some of them are going to be sitting at home. Yeah, you know, exactly. Playoff start. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, so there's no major uh, breakthrough in my thinking, but I had myself thinking all the first rounders were in the playoffs and the other guys that weren't first rounders weren't in the playoffs. Now that's a, that's not accurate at all if you analyze team by team. Uh that's not the situation. Um so do we want to discuss Steeler drama or no? Well let's uh, let's let's take a little bit and see how far it goes and then we'll decide whether how whether we've had enough of it or whether we want to explore any parts of it. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Um, so, from from my perspective, right? I I actually this kind of goes back. I got derailed before. I was talking about switching teams to the Eagles. Remember when I was yeah. a kid? Right. Um, so at that point, when I was considering um, switching to the Eagles because the Steelers weren't any good in the eighties or at least not good enough to go to Super Bowl. You know, I had I had an expectation at that point they were going to win the Super Bowl all the time. Right, and, right. Uh, or at least regularly. Right. And so I thought about switching teams to Eagles, and you said, you can't do that. You've got to stick <laughs> I with, said that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You can do anything you want, but go ahead. Well, sure, but I mean, but I thought it was like sage advice. You're like, you know, you can't just quit on your team because they're no good. You got to stick through them through the bad times. Every team has goes through, you know, has bad times or whatever. They can't win the Super Bowl every year. That's called being a fair weather fan, and you don't want to be a fat fair weather fan, right? <laughs> so I took that to heart, and I've never wavered from the Steelers since. However. <laughs> I started to think about this the other day, and it's like, at some point, as I've gotten older, I like rooting for things I believe in, you know? Right. So, it's almost not so much about that particular team, because they have those colors or they're from that city but it's which organization am I supporting or rooting for because they're doing things in what I consider to be the right way 
you embody the, the their philosophy or the way they do business. Yeah, I hear you. yeah or vice versa. They embody right. mine or whatever. Or or they just add an element that I like the Chiefs, for example. I mean, for, for one thing, as soon as Cream Hunt video came out, and he's the star for them, and they're having a crazy good season, he was one of the prolific guys on that team. And as soon as that video came out, they canned him. Right. And I thought that was very risky to do, but also the right thing to do. And I applaud them for doing that, even if they did it solely because of public pressure or whatever. Uh, it took a lot, I, I believe, for them to do that. And then, yeah. and then they're also exciting as heck to watch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. with Mahomes, like in, with Alex Smith, they were exciting one game when they beat the Patriots. All right. But with Mahomes, they're exciting every week. Like, oh yeah. my goodness. Um, so a team like that, but that doesn't mean like I want to switch to the Chiefs because no, next year it might be somebody else. Like, I'm having fun rooting for the Chiefs and the Bears. Because uh, I like the Bears this year, I think they're good um, and exciting to watch or whatever. And and my problem is that the Steelers are like a part of my identity, you know. But right. but the way that they're operating is so not what I want out of a football team. Like the the Le'Veon Bell holding out all year, right? And you've got Antonio Brown now who threw, who's thrown a little hissy fit because Juju uh, Smith-Schuster got voted MVP, and maybe for reasons that go deeper than that. Um, but basically, I'd say, I'd say there are reasons. Uh, I'm sure that they were looking more at the, Schuster's role involved in the community. and uh, I don't know, Brown, Brown might be too, but I think it's hard to be the big kid on the block for a long time and along comes a... You know, guy that's, uh, you know, sort of stirring the crowd more, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I think it's a combination of things, but go ahead. Sure, and and probably Juju wouldn't be half as successful as he is if it were not for the fact that Antonio Brown's drawn double coverage every play. Yeah, you know? I agree. But, I agree. But he's still acting like a child over it. Um and he he threw a fit last year in the championship game against the Patriots. You remember the sideline tantrum? There was yeah. a thing about him uh, tweeting from the locker room. Do you remember that whole yeah, thing? Yeah. Okay, and so then there's Martavis Bryant and the way that situation was handled. And if you yeah. go back a little bit further, Le'Veon Bell was suspended for uh, substance abuse. Um, right. LeGarrette Blunt, the year we had him, left yeah. in the middle of a game and, you know, just basically quit playing or whatever. And at some point, and the list goes on, I mean, I could keep naming stuff because I've, you know, they're my team and I watch them and I pay attention and I read all the stuff that's going on. But at some point, despite, like, Tomlin talks, he's very, I love the stuff that comes out of his mouth, but it doesn't seem to translate into controlling the situation, to demanding excellence, to, you know, like, running a tight... He's very articulate, like you said, but, and he's a graduate of William & Mary, which is pretty prestigious college, but anyways, uh, I think he was a tight end, but the, um, 
the other night, right before the uh, night game, Sunday night or whenever that last night game was, the one that uh, Dungey and Harrison is. Yeah, the, it was probably uh, the Colts against the Titans, right? That's exactly what Harrison said. He said, Steelers, he says, uh, yeah, I'm uh, a Tomlin fan. He said, you know, he's got a lot of good skills and this and that, he says, but he said, and I'm in no way advocating to get rid of him. He says, but Tomlin's got to get control of his locker room. He said, these guys are just, you know, like you said, doing all these things that you just uh, rattled off. I agree with that, but if you look back over the years, I'm saying he has never controlled it. Despite the eloquence and the very pragmatic approach and the intelligence things he says, he's not a good motivator of people, apparently, because he's got a bunch of underachieving players for almost his entire tenure. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl twice, granted, but with the caliber of players he's got on paper every year, there's no way that this team should be underperforming the way it is and having all these character issues. I mean, I can't think of another team. I can think of incidents here and there. You had Ray Rice... You know, you had whatever happened with Adrian Peterson here and there. But that's like, you know, one guy from this team, one guy over here from this team, you know, and those incidents are spread out. But this is like lots of guys on the same team every year. There's something going on or multiple things going on. Like, I only went back like two or three years and I named LeGarrette Blunt, Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell twice, Antonio yeah. Brown two or three times. You yeah, know. No, you're, you're and there's like other it. ones. There's Roethlisberger when he was like flip-flopping on whether he was quitting, quitting or whatever. Right. Um, and I'm trying to remember some others, but it's... It's well, just like this, they, like they, a soap they opera. They definitely had problems with Plexico Burst too. Uh, he was a he was a problem child, and uh, but anyways, how how hear, they managed James Harrison at the end? Yeah, I yeah. mean that. Yeah, no, I agree with you on you know Harrison. What a he breathed black and gold. Dick, I did, and they got rid of him twice. They got rid of him once, he went to the Bengals, and then they said, oh, sorry, we didn't mean it, and come back, please, and he did, and then they cut him again. Went to the Cardinals. No, he went to the Patriots. Yeah, but he he also, that was at the very end, but he also went to the Cardinals for a while and played for Arians. Oh, did he? Yeah. Was that after the Bengals? Yeah, I'm almost 100% positive because that's when they had him come back to the Steelers. Okay, all right. After, after he'd been to the Bengals, they went out and played for the Cardinals because him and Arians hit it off. And then he said he'd do anything for Arians. He really liked him. But uh, and then but then he also was a big uh, LeBeau fan. And he said, you know. Well, and, he, and that was another thing I was going to bring up. So, you know, we have all the we have all the players that are problem children, right? That you can't uh, you can't motivate them, and you can't get them to quit being 
selfish and crybaby and all that stuff. Um, but you also have like the way some of the players were treated that should have been treated better, like James Harrison. But yeah. what about the coaches too? Like Dick LeBeau didn't deserve to get canned when yeah. he when he did. Um, well, I always thought they mismanaged an opportunity there to uh, incite that team. I, I think I told you that once. Uh, we always said that one for the thumb, and I think we were in the thick of it there. And I think we needed a campaign that said because there was speculate he was going to retire, even though in the end he said he never retired when he went down to Carolina. But anyways, I thought they could have worked out something. Okay, when it was his final year to say, you know, one to go for LeBeau, you know, right. <laughs> took advantage of that. But yeah, when he went down there, he said, hey, I didn't quit. <laughs> and, and players loved playing for him, like Troy Polamalu, yeah. James Harrison. You mentioned, um, yeah. Well, that's why Harrison came back when he left the Cardinals. He, he announced his retirement while he was at the Cardinals, and then uh, the LeBeau asked him to come back, and he did, and he played quite well. And like you said, and then up in the end, they shafted him and same to New England. Right. Well, the year they shafted him, LeBeau was gone. It was Keith Butler. Yeah, um, and that's when he went, yeah. And but, so that brings up another, like, Todd Haley. Todd Haley should have never been brought in to begin with. It took way too long for them to get rid of him. And the guys that they had before, like Bruce Arians, like Bruce Arians did excellent as the offensive coordinator. Well, anywhere he went, he did good. I mean, he went a couple, two different places and uh, filled in as head coach at one before he ever took the job at the Cardinals, and he always uh, uh, performed quite well. Right. I think uh, I think Wisenhunt was a was an offensive coordinator for us too. Yeah. Now, now him and Roethlisberger, those uh, Roethlisberger, so Wisenhunt treated you like a little kid. Um, didn't well. really, you know. He, they didn't have very good communication, and then he's had three or four teams where he was head coach, a couple of them, assistant coach, a couple other ones. I don't even know if he's still in football. He. You know, I, I was not a big Wizard Hunt fan, even though I did like him and Malarkey used to come up with some trick plays that I liked every now and then. But anyway, so for me, Tomlin has had his chance. He's had his run. He's not motivating people. He's not disciplining people. He's not keeping them out of trouble. He's not making them play for each other. He's not making them play for him or whatever. And I, I think it's time to you know, call this experiment. <laughs> you know? Well, the only problem with that is uh, Rooney was part of that group. Matter of fact, he spearheaded the deal. They well, I realize that, but that doesn't mean you can't fire a guy. It just means that the next time you open the job up, you interview. No, but I'm just saying it's going to be harder for him. That's all I mean. The uh, the Rooney law or Rooney rule, they called it. It's it's just going to be harder when it when the axe finally falls. I think it's going to be harder. Should I switch my team now? Oh, it's your call. You going to become a brownie too? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Not. I mean, Mayfield's okay. I'm, I've I got misgivings about their coach because yeah, uh, I he like was him. a bounty hunter. Well, right. Apart from that. I like him. I like what he did. I think he's probably going to bring some toughness to them, but yeah. may, maybe in a you know in a shady way, which would not be good. So yeah. 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 
I don't know. Like I said, for for me, I'm digging Andy Reid and the Chiefs right now. Uh, Mahomes is exciting. Andy Reid seems to be a good coach. Uh, he my was good with the Eagles. My He's good now. My idea of classy coaches was, uh, of course, Reid was one. He took him to several NFC championships, but never won the big one. So they, you know, frowned on that down there. And um, then, I don't know if you noticed or not, he had a son that uh, got in a lot of trouble with the law, was in jail several times, and I'm, I think he committed suicide. I'm not positive on that. Andy Reid's there. But he, he died. I'm, I'm almost positive against it was suicide. And then the other guy was a class case, and I think his son committed suicide too, is, is uh, Tony Dungy. I thought he's a real class act. And uh, he, I think his kid, kid committed suicide also. Apparently it's very difficult to be the child of a classy, successful NFL coach. Well, I, I wasn't saying that so much. It was just that both of them are seem like guys that got a lot of soul and sensitivity to them. That's all. Yeah. And uh, think about a bigger picture than just you know. Uh, uh, but I mean, uh, even so, if you don't go classy, even if you go Belichick, yeah, he's yeah. still like there's no, the, the Patriots take those guys. They take the Antonio Browns and the Le'Veon Bells and the Josh Gordon. And by the way, Josh Gordon announced he's walking away from football for a while. Oh, did he? Yeah, I don't know whether he's got a drug relapse problem or what's going on, but he said he needed to reevaluate himself and this and that. And anyways, he's because he left Cleveland went up there and he did okay, but they said he's taking some time off from football. Right, but I mean the mm-hmm. Patriots took Randy Moss when he was a problem. Uh, yeah, they've taken a bunch of problem children and put them in a system where they don't get to be me first players. They have to be team first, and they usually end up winning Super Bowls. Yeah. Hernandez. <laughs> well, Hernandez shot some guy, didn't he? Yeah, well, apparently the guy was uh, nuttier than a fruitcake, and uh, he, uh, you know, guy, I don't know, insulted him or whatever. He, they, they say he, I guess he was almost like paranoid schizophrenic. He shot him, and of course, they, I think he was involved in maybe two or three shaky things with more than one murder, and they, of course, he finally went to jail, and he, he was convicted, but it was under appeal, and that's when he committed suicide in jail. So they said it was suicide, whether he did that or somebody else done him in, I don't know. Uh, they, they said technically he's not guilty uh, because it was under appeal, uh, however that works. Uh, but anyways, he he was uh, he he was a strange dude. But when they were too tight in offense, him and Gronkowski, they were lights out. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've had a lot of versions, and and so there again is you know not that Belichick is classy in any way, and maybe he had you know a, a problem child in Hernandez but for by and large they take the problem children and straighten them out yeah Um, but also I mean he's had success with two tight end offense but he's also had success with you know wide open stretching field he's probably he's he's probably about the most flexible most adaptable you know we'll, we'll make it work kind of coach I've seen yeah, well, not only will make it work, but I mean, he strategizes to the nth degree, and that's what I, 
that's the part of Belichick, I guess, that I admire is his mindset says, how are we going to beat this team this week? And so and, the and it's not will, necessarily it's not necessarily the same game plan every week. Exactly. There's not there's not uh, this is the identity of our team and this is how we're going to approach every game. This is like what are the weak? He's playing chess, man. It's like what are the weak points of this? Team, I like. I'll never forget the, and it's course because when Steelers I know which game player. you're going to talk about when they didn't call any huddle on the first possession. Not well. The one I'm thinking about that that was probably one. That was one, but we talked about that earlier. That was this year, right? Yeah, right. Um, that was one definitely, but that was not the one I was going to say because this one, the one I'm about to say, happened against the Steelers. Uh, Steelers kickoff. The touchback, you know, first and ten at the twenty. Here's today's lineup. Here's the starters. Let's meet the blah blah blah. Here we go for the first snap and scrimmage. Eighty yard touchdown pass. Bomb. Seven nothing. Right out of the gate. <laughs> and they did that on purpose. I mean, that was a plan. They planned on Tuesday. That said, how are we going to just break their back? Right out. Out the you know these guys think that they they're finally going to beat us. We're going to stick them in their place. Play one, and you don't think they're they're psychologically manipulating them from Tuesday, you know, to because they're going to be worked up all this week and talk about how we're so much better this year. We're going to control the ball and run out the clock and not let the offense on the field. You know, we're going to get the ball. We're going to score a touchdown on the first play of the game. That's how we're going to break their back right away. And they did, yeah. and it did. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the, the interesting part of all that was uh, Bonchek wasn't good enough for the Browns. They fired him. <laughs> yeah, well, that speaks, that speaks more to the Browns. Look what they've been doing for the past. No, I, that's what I'm saying. I was being smart. Like, uh, when he coached the Browns, they decided to let him go, and I'm thinking, you know, yeah, well, that's just crazy. All right, moving right along. All right, so we need to see how the playoffs are playing out now compared to how we predicted them to go way back okay. before week one. Right. We did our very first podcast ever prior to week one, right prior to week one. Okay. We made our predictions of how the playoffs would go all the way through the Super Bowl winners, but we're not right. to that point yet. But was so we're just going to compare uh, what we said would happen to what did happen as far as the playoffs. So okay. you, uh, in the AFC, you're listing seeds one through six, your prediction of playoff seeding in the AFC was Steelers, Patriots, Chiefs, Texans, Jaguars, Chargers. Okay. Now, of course, we know the Steelers are a disappointment, but the Patriots are in there, and they're the second seed. Uh, So you nailed that one. Um, You had the Chiefs as the third seed, and the Chiefs are first seed, so you're in there. You had the Texans as the fourth seed, they're the third seed. You had the Jags in there, they disappointed, obviously. And then you had the Chargers as the sixth seed, and they're the fifth seed. So I think you did pretty darn good in the AFC. You okay. had one, two, three, four out of the six playoff teams, and the seeding's pretty darn close. 
All right, well, I'll take it. <laughs> I did less good in the AFC. I had the Patriots and the Texans, but I got every other one wrong. Okay. So, boo on me in the AFC. Well, you still, you still beat me when it came to the uh, team week-by-week selections. But, uh, anyways. Well, okay. that's just the AFC. So, then we got the NFC. And in the NFC, I fared a little better because in the NFC, I got four out of the six. I got Eagles, Saints, Rams, and Bears in the playoffs, which I'm proud of predicting the Bears. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. And and I think that might have been after Khalil Mack was traded there. I think we knew about Khalil Mack at the time, but, I, but still... Um, I don't think a lot of people saw them becoming a playoff team. No, I, I figured they were good, but I didn't think they were necessarily going to make it with the Packers and the Vikings thrown in the mix. But okay, uh, yeah, and so the two that I picked that didn't make it were the Vikings and the Forty ers And the Vikings never made it. It was pretty close. Yeah, but if they had made it, then the Eagles wouldn't have, and I'd uh, still get one of them wrong. Yeah, one hand takeaway there. You know, somebody had said something interesting, and I'm really surprised to hear an announcer say this because they don't usually say what we're all thinking. And uh, <laughs> uh, Phil Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth, uh, yeah. Yeah, Chris Collinsworth. I mean, uh, the night after that game was over when uh, – the uh, Eagles won right down and Foles got hurt and then uh, Bears beat the Vikings and he said I couldn't believe it he said uh, he said well you know he said after the first half he said it was pretty much a done deal he said uh, essentially he said the uh, Bears could pick who they're going to play in the playoffs he said oh if they decided they're just going to uh, uh, seat uh, their whole, you know, starting group, and go with all backups the second half against Minnesota. He said uh, Minnesota might have won a game. He said, but he said nobody would have thought nothing about it. He said because they decided, hey, you know, we got this thing wrapped up. Our season's not going to change. We're just going to rest our starters and not risk injury. And uh, he said, so they could essentially choose whether they wanted to play Minnesota again or whether they wanted to play the Eagles. And that Michael said, oh, he said, you're one of them conspiracy theory people, huh? <laughs> and Collinsworth said, no, no, I'm not saying. He said, you know, if anybody else would sit a team, he said, nobody think nothing about it. He said, I'm just saying the Eagles are hot right now, he said. And he said the uh, the the Bears really going in there had the ability to pick who they wanted to play. I thought that was sort of interesting. Announcers really say that because most of them don't say that. But it's less conspiratorial because the Bears chose to play what is seemingly the better team. Yeah, well, yeah, that's and that's what the that's what the, Collinsworth said. That basically, he said they could have did that and they didn't. He said nobody would have thought any less of it. He said, but essentially they had the. He was saying the same thing. Well, they, they, had, if, they had the option to play the weaker team. They just chose not to. Right, they chose to come out there in the second half, play all their starters and go full throttle you know I mean that type of thing and of course Al Michaels said oh, that's not Nagy's style he wouldn't do that he's not going to do this and that and Collinsworth he said well he said a lot of teams sit there 
guys in the last game, and I said that wouldn't have been nobody would have thought that much about it. Right. Well, uh, and was, I mean, you you like that attitude from the coach, and the Bears are another one of those teams that I like to root for this year, but. Had he done that and they were going full throttle and, you know, they lose Tariq Cohen for the playoffs or the rest of the season or they lose Khalil Mack or, you know, somebody like uh, Trevathan or, or whatever, you know, for the rest of the playoffs or rest of the season, then he'd have looked really bad. <laughs> right, then people would say, man, I was really dumb. We could have sat those guys and played a weaker team when it was over. <laughs> exactly. Now, I, I hear you. I just thought it was interesting that Collinsworth actually brought it up and, uh, and didn't just mention one word about it. I mean, they talked about it for a little bit, and I'm saying not too many of them announcers want to even sort of breach that kind of subject. But. See, when we're, like we were talking earlier about Belichick, and and this is a point where maybe he would have gone too far, but to me, a, a coach like Belichick yeah. would have probably come out and not necessarily thrown the game, but would have had like a super conservative game plan. He would right. not. He would have not shown a whole lot of looks. He would have played it very straightforward. You know, running play is a running play. A passing play is a passing play. You know, played a very basic offense, a very basic defense. And, you know, maybe we win, maybe we don't. Yeah, just see what shakes out, yeah. But but you're but highly evaluating what they're doing. Right. You know, because the whole of this week is just fact finding mission and tricking you into thinking we're not as good as we are because we know we're gonna play you next week. And right. then next week, you're going to come back expecting a lot more. Of this. You know us now because you just played us last week, but we didn't show you who we were last week. And then yeah. next week, when it's playoff time, all of a sudden, we're going to just blow your mind, You know, giving you all these looks that you've never seen. We're going to play 150% above the level we were at before, you know. Belichick no. would do that, I believe. No, no I, I believe you. I believe you. that's he, that's part of his chess game. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah. So NFC, I got four out of six, and you got three out of six. Still pretty good. You still did better than me overall. You got the Eagles and the Saints and the Rams in uh, the NFC playoffs, and you were wrong about Packers and Falcons and Vikings. Okay. All right. Okay. So not bad, not bad. Oh, and then the other thing I wanted to point out is that my Super Bowl prediction was Texans versus Vikings, which obviously cannot happen now because the Vikings aren't in the playoffs. Okay. Um, But I do have the Texans winning the Super Bowl, and that could still happen because they are in. And I had the Eagles and the Steelers, so I'm on that end too, so. You had the Eagles and Steelers, and the Steelers are out, so they can't be in the Super Bowl, and they cannot win the Super Bowl, as you predicted. But the right. Eagles are in, and so you could at least have one of the Super Bowl participants still. All right. Gotcha. All right. So with all that said and done, we're finally going to get around in the 11th hour here to uh, predicting what's going to happen in the wild card round and it is a wild card round so anything could happen right and really good games like 
again, I'm having a good time this year. Even though my Steelers are disappointing me, I'm having fun rooting for these other teams, the Chiefs and the Bears and uh, those guys. But also, like, the matchups are super intriguing, even for otherwise, you know, teams that I wouldn't be interested in otherwise. Yeah, um, there's a lot of good football going around, exciting football going yeah, around this year. All four of these games are going to be on paper are going to be nail biters and very just interesting contests because who knows like I wouldn't blame you for picking either one of these teams to win any of these games and like I had just as hard of a time Um, so we're going to start we're going to go in the order that they're going to be on so we're starting with the early Saturday game um, I say early, but I think it's like 4 o'clock and the other one's at 8 o'clock. Um, so the Colts at the Texans is up first. Uh, the Colts have won like eight of their last nine. Yeah, the Colts are like hot. But the Texans won ten in a row at one point. Yeah, I was just going to say, the Texans, the Texans look pretty good, too. Deshaun Watson's playing lights out, but so, so is luck. But I'm just really, at this point, I'm just going to take the home team. And if they were playing at the Colts, I'd take the Colts. But mainly, I'm going with the home team, and uh, we'll see where it shakes out. But I got the Texans. All right. I took the Texans also, but that's mainly because I picked them to win the Super Bowl and I got to stick with the uh, horse, no pun intended, because the Colts are actually the horse in this situation. But but I'll tell you what, besides the Colts being hot, the Texans are good, and I believe that they're going to continue to be good. But one of the knocks on them is that Deshaun Watson is one of the most harassed quarterbacks in the league. He's got, like, the most number of knockdowns and hits that he takes and all that kind of stuff. So there's some issues with the offensive line there. Um, I'm not totally sure of the health of Lamar Miller, their running back. Right. Um, So... I think it's very possible the Colts win that game. I'm picking the Texans really only because uh, I picked them at the beginning of the year and I want to see my prediction come true. Um, well, like I said, if they were playing at the Colts, I'd take the Colts and they're playing Houston, so I'm taking Houston. I mean, uh, i just going with the home team here because I think they're that evenly matched at this point in the season. But anyways, still, still going to be a really good game. Okay, so I got the Texans, and you got the Texans. And it's a divisional game beyond that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, All right, so next up is the Saturday night game, Seahawks at the Cowboys. Well, on this particular one, the Cowboys are pretty much lights out at him, but I think old Russell Wilson and Carroll are going to figure out a way to win this one. (laughs) I'm going to. I'm going with Seattle. All right. Um, the Cowboys are a different team at home. The Seahawks are really puzzling to me. They, When you write them off, they start winning all these games in a row. But then you turn around and the 49ers knock them off in Seattle. The Cardinals play them to the bitter end in Seattle. And 
the Cardinals are going to pick the uh, first in the draft because they have the worst record in the league. Yeah, and the 49ers are second. Three and 13, again. And the 49ers are second as far as draft picks. Right. So, so the two worst teams in the league put Seattle under the gun in Seattle. Yeah. One of them beat them by field goal, the other one lost by field goal, but still. That makes me nervous for Seattle. So I went with the Cowboys because they're in Dallas um, and because the Seahawks seem to be struggling with teams that they should just clean their clock, and they're not. Yeah, I just I think all the money's on the line. I think Russell Wilson is one of the most fierce competitors and one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. So uh, that's why I'm uh, I'm going with uh, Seattle, even though, like you said, they've pulled some boners there. And and he does have those fourth quarter heroics. So I mean, the Cowboys could be up by thirteen in the fourth quarter, and Seahawks can still pull it out. You know. Yeah, and of course, don't get me wrong. I've been singing Dak Prescott's praises. Yeah, I mean, I I felt that you know from you know as soon as he took over that team, he. You know, I figured this guy, unless he really does something stupid, I think he's eventually to get Hall of Fame written all over him. But we'll see. I said that about Colin Kaepernick, too, and that didn't turn out so good. <laughs> well, Prescott's first year, I was all about him. I was very excited. I said, you know, he was going to start over Romo uh, yeah. before anybody else and before Romo got hurt and he actually did start it was kind of like Russell Wilson I predicted Russell Wilson would, yeah, would I remember start that, yeah. um, and his first year man I, I thought he was amazing but his second year he I don't know that he regressed or he ended up showing that more uh, credit was due to his supporting cast <laughs> You know, because I think that was the year that he didn't have Ezekiel. I was just going to say, he had almost no help at all his second year. He was really, you know, I think Elliott had been suspended. and Right, and the offensive, uh, offensive line uh, lost and, a lot uh, of guys. Witten, Witten was on the tail end of his career there. Right. Uh, there was a whole bunch of issues there. And Lee was hurt a good bit. Right. So I think uh, now he's kind of leveled out where it's kind of like he's not as, he's, not as much of a disappointment as I thought he was after going from the first year to the second year, but he's still not really as good as he was the first year when he had the better supporting cast. So he's kind of, I don't think he's mediocre. I think he's certainly a quality quarterback. He deserves to be a starting quarterback. We're not talking about a a Jameis Winston or a Mariota. He's definitely up there, but I'm not sure that he's like, I'm not, buying in that he's destined for Hall of Fame like you are. Yeah, well, like I said, it's going to take several years of staying healthy and playing good football, and we'll see, see what happens there. But, uh, you know, an interesting thing before I forget about it, you are talking about Roma. I tell you what, I enjoy when he announces a game. I mean, that guy, I mean, he has an insight to that game that, like none of them other announcers. I mean, I've seen them other quarterbacks, uh, you know, I don't care who they are, they're retired or whatever. And, but 
but you know, as soon as they come up to the line, okay, it's going to be a pass play. It's going to be this guy sees this happening. He's going to switch, you know. And man, he's very rarely wrong. I mean, he's and, and that I'm, was I'm, that was the early Roma, like when he first started broadcasting. Yeah, he, he did that a lot, and he made heads turn by doing that. But he's actually grown into even better, I think, than that. I, I thoroughly enjoy him as well. I totally agree. But he does. He still does some of that, you know. Oh, they're going to pass Jim, you know. Oh, you see right. that guy coming from, but, but besides that, uh, I mean, he does have amazing insight or whatever. But for one thing, he's so excited, like, yeah. Like the whole time, he's not just like, well, and and that was. He almost reminds me of Madden. You remember how Madden would go like, and watch this guy. He comes in and boom, and you know. Yeah. Like Madden yeah. would get like all worked up like that. Like yeah. Roman was kind of like, oh, oh, do you see that? Oh, you know, and he's constantly yeah. like, oh my, oh, let's look at that again. He might have dropped that ball. Oh my goodness, you know, yeah. got like this kid like, you know, fanaticism about yeah. him or whatever. No, no, it's I, like I, infectious. I, I, I agree with all the aspects you just identified. I, I think he's refreshing to watch. Oh, absolutely. Like I didn't, I didn't like him at near as much as a quarterback as I do as an announcer. I think I love him as a now he's probably my favorite since madden well and and that's course, saying a lot you know and, and one of the things of course you got to love about romo he was a walk-on undrafted walk-on and uh so yeah you know, he come out he was out of like northern illinois or something like that right well, and he had i mean i kind of feel good for him having success as an announcer because he was like I, I didn't care for him as a quarterback, but he was just pounded on mercilessly by uh, what, what three broken collarbones and. <laughs> well, that's physically. I mean, just like uh, as far as public criticism. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah because he, he couldn't win the big one because he fumbled on on that one uh, hold. Remember, he was the yeah. holder for the kicker and he fumbled or something. Yeah, and cost him a playoff game. But he just had such a reputation as a guy who choked. You yeah. know. Um, that I feel good about his announcing success. Yeah, yeah, I, I like his Corona commercials too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and I do like, and I do, I do give him credit. I mean, uh, Jessica Simpson and uh, Carrie Underwood. I mean, he, he doesn't get any better than that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so the guy's no slouch. Even, you know? even though both of them are gone, but yeah. I, I know. But I had to laugh uh, when he. Uh, when his uh, college girlfriend or whatever, she didn't think he was going to mount to anything, and uh, she broke up with him there right before he got, you know, broke in. It's like I think uh, Parcells who started him, and somebody else I forget who it was. Parcells put on a bench and started Romo, and that was the uh, beginning of his tenure. And uh, I remember they interviewed Romo at some point in time, or whatever, and. Uh, Whoever his girlfriend was, you know, before he hit stardom, she dumped him. And then it wasn't but a few months after that, he's dating Jessica Simpson. And then not too long after that, he's dating Carrie Underwood. And I'm saying she's probably scratching her head on that one. Yep. <laughs> Look at me now. Uh, anyways, but I, he's just got that. I don't know that personality. He's got that little grin of his when he talks. He can just tell he enjoys life. He's in a good sport about things. You know, I, I like him. Yeah, oh, I do too, a lot, and way better than the other side of that coin, which is Jay Cutler, 
Right. Yeah. Well, I never liked as a quarterback the whole time. He was. Well, he's that. too. He was this sort of moody person. He, they even said, you know, his teammates said he was moody, and uh, and we were talking about Denver quarterbacks the other day, and I knew one escaped my mind, and it come back. He was thought they, you know, how we said they keep thinking they got their new their next. John Elway out there and it right. never shakes out. The one I left out was uh, uh, a snake. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Jake Jake the Snake. Oh, Plumber? Yeah. Yeah, I think him get, and Tebow and Cutler and... Well, Tebow, I don't think anybody ever expected, at least and even though he had that streak of games, everybody said his mechanics stunk, but... Uh, Jake Plummer, they called him Jake the Snake. When they, I think they got him from Arizona or somewhere, and they paid a pretty big price for him. And they thought he was going to be their their next super quarterback, and he just didn't work out. I don't even know what the hell happened to him. I, I think he might have been the one to get replaced by Cutler. I'm not sure. Um, but, so anyway. I, I'm so old, and you're older than me, but uh, the Snake reminded me of... Uh, Stabler. Well, I thought a lot of people thought that because they called Stabler the snake, too. That's what I'm saying. Kenny the snake Stabler. Yeah, and what they called him Jake the snake. But yeah, you're right. That's, uh, I remember they called Kenny Stabler the snake. I think he's right. one, one of them few left handed quarterbacks out there that made it big. Right. They, that, that, uh, no, well, no, that I was going to say that was Plunkett. Never mind. Um, Casper, right. Dave Casper is the one that fumbled it forward in the end zone and created that rule about you can't advance the fumble. Yeah, Casper, yeah, they kicked but, the ball or whatever. And, yeah, uh, that was kick, from kick, Plunkett, I think, not Stabler. But. Yeah, kicked it into the end zone. Well, Plunkett, there's another guy. Uh, I, you know, I had to root for him. I mean, he... New England going to be their star. They trashed him. I think he ended up playing a couple of seasons in San Francisco, and then he ends up back to Raiders and finally materializes into that quarterback they thought he might be. You know what I mean? And, uh, but anyways. Well, it's hard to overcome a name like Plunkett, so you got to give him that. Well, I, you know, it's funny you saying that. We and I, I think, talked about that before. I love players has got names that match like Plunkett like you said quarterback and uh, there was that one defensive back his name was Jammer <laughs> yeah Quentin Jammer yeah <laughs> and then there was uh, that wide receiver his last name was Jet he was a speedster right <laughs> and there, there's a bunch of, every once in a while I hear one and I say that guy's got the perfect name for you know right um, Okay, so uh, I got Seattle and you got Dallas. Uh, <laughs> Yo, yeah. We're still talking about that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so after all the uh, the Dak Prescott cheerleading, you're picking Seattle. And after all the Dak Prescott non-believing, I'm picking the Cowboys. Yeah, life is strange that way. It is. Um, so that's Saturday's games. We're finally moving on to Sunday's games. Okay. The earlier game on Sunday is... Uh, rematch of a couple weeks ago, the Chargers at the Ravens, this time in Baltimore. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm picking the Ravens just because uh, San Diego me off. They beat <laughs> us, and then they lost to the Ravens and us over. And so I said, hey, you guys, I'm going with the Ravens. 
Well, out of those two teams, I would certainly rather the Chargers win, although, and I hate myself for saying it, I'm starting to like the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. They're not nearly as, I don't know, annoying as they were with Flacco. Or boring. Boring, (laughs) annoying, you know, like... Dirty. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking Flacco. He's probably near the end of a big contract. Nobody's going to pay the big dollars for him, but he'll probably make a good, comfortable backup with somebody if he's willing. Because I think somebody will negotiate like a one-year deal with him. I see him going to like the Raiders or something as a backup, I looked at a couple different teams where I thought they could bring him in on a, on a one-year deal. Like, I even thought uh, the team that he beat uh, at the end of the second half, the first half and the end of the second half with them two touchdown bombs is Denver. I see him being uh, back up there. Yeah, or maybe uh, even a starter. I mean, apparently Denver's not thrilled with Keenum. Although I don't yeah. think he was bad. I don't think he was their issue, but maybe he was. Yeah, no, but, no. I mean, he was far cry above Trevor Simeon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, and I don't think a team that could probably use him, but then they can't afford him after they've done spent $80 million on Cousins. Is, I think he'd be better than Cousins is at uh, Minnesota. You mean Flacco um, would be better than Cousins? I think so. Cousins can't seem to put the ball downfield at all. Man, I'm he, not a Cousins fan at all, but Flacco just doesn't excite me at all either. Yeah. Um, I see yeah. him much more, well, first of all, backup, like you said. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that Denver or Minnesota would be any better off with him than Keenum. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not saying starter. I'm talking back up to these guys. If one oh, of back down. up to Cousins, maybe. Yeah, because you back know. Back up I'm, to Keenan, I, I don't know. You got like two backups there. I don't know about well, that. Well, that's what I'm saying. You remember my two quarterback theory? If you got two pretty decent ones, I think you can go deep. Uh, I'll tell you another place you might uh, sign on as a, for a one year contract would be uh, the Redskins uh, with their, situa- their situation. Uh I don't know. I'd like to see the uh, uh, Colt McCoy or Johnson get a chance there. Well, I do too, but I'm just simply saying that that's why I think maybe a one-year veteran like that come in because I don't think that Smith's ever going to be back. They He got an infection set in after that break. Oh, and really? Then, How strange is it that the two most – and, you know, football's a violent sport and guys get hurt all the time. Feisman and him. Exactly. The two most memorable leg breaks in NFL history, and they both play for the Redskins. Yeah, that's, that's a good team not to play for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I'm just throwing a few of them guys out there like that that might they might sign there. I'll tell you a team that I would give a serious, might give a serious, serious sign him to a one-year deal would be New England. Because Hoyer ain't going to get it if Brady gets down. Well, that's true. Yeah. If Brady even comes back, oh, I think he'll be back. He's, really? His, his ego is big enough that he'll be back. Wow. He, uh, I think he's coming back. But anyways, I just thrown out a few names of some teams that I thought Flacco might get a one year deal. I'm surprised you didn't tell me Jacksonville. I kept waiting for you to tell me Jacksonville. No, nah, I think Jacksonville going to play their cards out. I think they're going to probably go with a. Uh, 
another draft pick and I don't know where Bortles will end up maybe yeah, back up somewhere else. You don't think they'd bring in Flacco just to mentor the new guy and maybe challenge him a little bit? Yeah, I mean, they've done that before. They did that with that Henny. who played several different places who I never thought was any good. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean Jacksonville's possible. They could, I could see them. I never hadn't given that too much thought, but... Uh, you know, I, I'm not. I don't know who who the backup is. The Bortles right now. I'm not even sure about that. Or I mean, it's possible that he could just, if he's going to be a backup, he might stay at Baltimore. Well, that's what I think. Except, I, I think if they keep him there, I'm not sure they can. He's probably got an option. Whereas if they waive him. You know, I mean, on that big contract, I mean, he had a pretty one of the higher ones. He was way up there in the top four or five quarterbacks for a while. I don't know if he still is. They might have an option where if they keep him, they got to pay him a lot more than if they just waive him. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, and probably and money. cut the salary cap. You know, I mean, that's what I was thinking about it. Yeah, well, money will come might. to play. Yeah, I bet you're right. Yeah, but I'm just guessing on that. Okay, moving right along. All right, so the final game, it goes quick now. Uh, yeah, well. 16 games. Well, who's left to play is the game that's going to disappoint me one way or another because I'm pulling for both of these teams, and it's going to be sad to see either one of them. Well, you, that depends on your outlook. You could be, you could be um, happy with either, whichever one turned out then. Well, that's true. Uh, we'll, we'll look at half full or half empty is that glass you got in front of you, buddy. It's always half empty. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, Eagles at the Bears. Yeah, I can understand that. That's got to be a tough, tough one. Well, here's the deal. Here, there's every real reason in the world to pick the Bears. One, they're at home. Two, Foles, we don't know what kind of condition, physical condition he's going to be in after that hit at the end of the game. Uh, Wentz, obviously, he's done. Uh, Is he done for this year? Yeah, I don't think he makes it. I don't think. I, I could be wrong unless they go deep enough in the plus. Maybe he's got a shot. I don't think coming back. But I think as long as Foles keeps winning at this point, uh, I think they'll keep playing him. But uh, anyways, having said that, you know, Bears got to be one of the best new teams on the scene. Uh, and also they're at home. And I don't know what kind of weather they're going to get out there, but uh, I'm going to flip a coin here and say if uh, Foles is healthy, they're on a roll. Not that Chicago is not. I'm going to take the Eagles. And I got to stick with them anyways. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. That's true. Uh, I've been one of the few believers in the Bears all year. I'm carrying that badge with me. Um, besides the weather factor, the Bears' defense is just as as much fun as the Chiefs are to watch offensively. Yeah, the Bears are that much fun to watch defensively. For they me. are fun to watch. That's for sure. Um, I agree. And they have some exciting players on offense, too. Like Yeah, they do. Yeah. They got Tariq Cohen. They got the Fridge 2.0. You've seen that, right? Um, yeah, to me, they're probably the most well-rounded team in all pro football this season when you come down to the very end of it, when you look at it as a total package. 
I'd say they're one of the best. But their weakness to me is the quarterback. I like Trubisky, but he's still green. He's still susceptible to, you know. Yeah, but look at Mahomes. I mean, it's only, he only played like two or three games at the end of last year. Of course, he's a freak. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Mahomes, when, when Mahomes is in there, you feel like, He's exciting. He's in control. What is he going to do next? Oh, my goodness. He's like watching Jordan or something. When Trubisky's in there, you're going, please don't screw this up. The rest of your team is really good. All you have to do is not pull a bonehead move. <laughs> you know what I mean? And to his credit, he has not pulled many bonehead moves, if any, for most of the season. But he's only one bonehead move away from losing a playoff game. But like I said, if I'm looking at a total package, if I got to take the whole thing, I can't just pick parts and pieces. I got to like the Bears a lot. But got to go with my Eagles. Well, yeah, the other total package team to like, as much as I hate to say it, would be the Ravens. They got, as you pointed out uh, last week, they got the best kicker in football. So the kicking game is solid, you know, and deep. You know, he could hit him from 55, 60 yards. Oh, like clockwork. Exactly. Like money. Their defense is lights out. They're one of the few teams that are shutting the Chiefs offense down. Um, Their offense is renewed almost electric with Lamar Jackson at quarterback and he gets better every week uh, the Ravens are going to be really hard to beat in the whole scheme of things well, it might end up being like Ravens and Bears oh my oh my <laughs> thanks for listening to this edition of the Armchair Analysts we'll be back next week with more analysis commentary and predictions